you have such as uh, Abalina, Abba, Asmach, AM, Abba, Asis Jaw, Arker, Andy Acapatch, Breuer, Beef. Now these are not all Morphys. Like they're different names such as Baller, that's Baller Lawless, Bocaddy Lawless, Belly, Beezer, Bendigo, Banel, Spot, Bunker. Ringsend had a tradition more so than any other town or village in Ireland with nicknames. I think the reason for that was there's so many Morphys in it and Burns. Ringsend is saturated with Morphys. For instance, my name is Paddy, but very, very few people in Ringsend know my name is Paddy. They call me Lyric. Now, and if a stranger went to look for a particular Paddy, such as myself, he'd be probably looking for a needle in the haystack, looking for Paddy Morphy. I say there's about 15 in their flats alone, Wheeling House there. So hence the word, the nicknames of so many Morphy. Bunker. The born sailor, he was a Morphy, yeah. Black Paddy, Bob Sturrup, Buck, Blue Leg, Butler, Bulletproof, Bishop, Bish, Ball Alley, Bando, Bubbles, Balbo, Boxer. How old are these nicknames? Were they handed down or what? Well, they were handed down. Now, for instance, my grandfather. I say his nickname would go back 150 years. He was always known as Scullabout. And he died in 1922, I think it was. He was 95 years of age or something like that. And he was always known as Scullabout. How did he get the name Scullabout? He was always sculling about in one of his yards, you know, when he's supposed to be up inspecting his trawlers. He owned a seven smacks sometime or another, and rings out. And how about other names? Can you remember any well, other? Well, you had Turf. Turf Morphy, that was a nephew of my grandfather's. He was a shipwright, better known in rings out as a chippy. Now, I'll tell you a story about him. He left, left rings out in the sailing ship. He was up to getting married, and he left the following day to do a trip the Fremantle in Australia. He was only supposed to be home or away 12 months at the most. It was 20 years before that man come back. He, he met with Miss Fortune some way or another out there. And it was 20 years after his marriage that he arrived back and bring his hand to his wife. A schooner sailed from George's Key. For foreign parts, one sultry season, and on the shore a maiden stood and cried like one bereft of reason. Oh, Johnny Doyle, me love for you is true but full of deep contrition. For what will all the neighbours say about me and my condition? Now we have another brother of his, the born sailor. He was boiling tar. The cork that takes to be one of his boats he was at the building. And the tar overflowed on the fire. 
and burned his face and it left him with a big scar on one side of his face on the starboard side of his face with the result was he was always known as the born sailor in Ring's End. That was Peter Murphy. And he had Paul Ali Gaffney. He was an awful man for screaming and shouting. Hence the word Paul Ali. And you had bulletproof power. Now, he was shot in 1916, a bullet went through his jaw and he carried that nickname from that day on, Bulletproof. He was scared all right, but I don't think it's done him any other harm. But the people of Ringsend were not all Murphys or even Papishes. The 1766 census shows 79 Protestants to 24 Papishes. The surnames are as unusual as the nicknames. You have the Blackmores. They were tarred by as Blackmores, Memories, Pullens, Sims, uh, the Davies, the Becketts, the Rowdens. And then you had, they were called Tarbys, and then you had the Scottish uh, people. I know you had uh, the McDonald's, D-O-N-A-L-D, uh, the Hawthorns. You had the Bears. You had the Dallasons. You had the Hicksons. You had the Wybrows. They were uh, they were uh, Scottish people, and you had the Bests. Then you had a, a ghetto down here in Ringsend called the Scotch Alley. They were all Scotch people that lived in that alley. And many more of them settled in the four shilling cottages on the Pigeon House Road. On a Sunday afternoon, I thought I'd take a stroll. I strolled along the Pigeon House Road until I came to a shop. Now the shop was selling birds. It had such a wonderful stock. I handed her a half a crown and she handed me a cock a doodle-oo. Well, it's nothing to do with you, for my old cock is a rare old cock and it's cock a doodle I brought my wee cock home. I put it in on the cage, along with an old grey feather hen who flew up in a rage. A lady was passing by. She said, "What's the matter, Jock?" Well, that. A grey feather hen of yours has scratched my little cock a doodle It's nothing to do with you, for my old cock is a rare old cock and it's cock a doodle Now we got into the bowl. And the bowl began to rock, and the fish put up 
his head and he ran away with me cock a doodle it's nothing to do with you for my old cock is a rare old cock and it's cock a doodle this town has a nickname too Ray Town. No one, there was no market for Ray years and years ago. No one, it decent only the Ringsend people, and the city people thought the people of Ringsend were cannibals to eat such a coarse fish as Ray. And it wasn't that the Italians entered this city and they exploited the nutritious value of Cucan Ray. Hence, now you can't get it to buy. And it's a pity the Italians didn't come into the country a hundred years earlier and the people of Ringsend have been pretty prosperous now. They used to have to throw the ray back overboard and don't, they used to bring it home as a fry, give it away in Ringsend. I think we lived on ray then. I remember every other laying an alley in Ringsend. You'd see it hanging up to dry. And the sun would dry it and cure it. You had a great delicacy here called Toad Ray, I believe, Lyric. How was that? Oh, well, I, I tell you, yeah, they, they used to wing the ray and they towed maybe about two dozen through the sea, maybe from Clockerhead right down to the Bailey Light. And whatever reaction the seawater had on it, running through the water with the trawler towing it, that it was like a chicken, the Toad Ray. They take out the centre, the backbone, and uh, wings. They'd make fast all the wings and throw them out with a heaving lion or maybe a, a log lion and throw them behind them for miles down as far as the Bailey from Clockerhead. And it'd be lovely and tender, beautiful. That was a delicacy in Ring's End. Toad Ray. And if the lads were going out, would they be asked to bring back? Oh, toad? yeah, if they brought us back for their homes, you know. Now, uh, maybe my father would be going out. He used to go out for a week at a time, you know. He always left him Sunday night, weather permitting. And they'd arrive back for Thursday morning or Friday morning's market. Thursday morning, they used to, providing, like, the weather was kind to them and they'd try and make it for Monday morning and they'd have the toad ray. Ray, 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 that's the stuff for me. I liked it for my dinner. I like it for my tea. I like it when it's hot. I like it when it's cold. Ray, 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 that's the stuff for me, I-E-I-O, 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 I-E-I-O. Gitta Murphy singing the praises of the Ray. Gitta is the king of Raytown, lyrics is the chronicler, but the court jester is definitely Ali Gatta. What does that say in India? Kakura. I shacked up on a boat 
And I was there for a week and I had this the truth I got. If you ever go to India get that, especially on an Irish ship, I'd say any ship. But these guys come on board with references. And you'd read a reference. This is a dirty, lazy bastard. Do not ever imply him. Sign. <laughs> you know, and you'd say to your man, very good. But they were all coming to me. I was the, the second cook. Yeah. And they were all coming to me. So I decided to imply this fella. Mm. And you know why he won't eat bacon around? He used to say to me, keep them all away. Put side of bacon on bulkhead. And you know why they the all are. Well, I had your man up alive. You know how much I was giving him? I was paying him better than the doctors was giving that pay. I was giving him about four rupees a day. And a rupee at that time was worth an old money, about one and sixpence. Yeah. Say I was giving him six or seven shillings. And every night I used to give him a few sausages, pudding, eggs. And he's there's a house and I'd eat bacon. He used to take the fucking wretches off me. But every night I was going out the gate, you're only allowed 20. You're only allowed to cart in here. Yeah. yeah. But you're only allowed to take 20 out of the gate. We used to give him 40 or 60. Mm. Because over there at that time, you'd get you half a bar of soap, you know. And when I'd, I'd walk out the gate, he'd be a man in front of me. And the minute I get outside, fair play to him. He'd have me smokes for me. And then I go on, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whatever bills I go to, wherever I are, a club or a cante yeah. or whatever it was. But he never let me down. And anyone coming along to the porthole like this or the door, Monday, Monday, John, he was like a bouncer. Mm. They were gone. He was. He used to know what he used to do for me, wash me clothes and everything. Mm. And that's what his name was, and he got And when I come back here, I kept it. I used to scream when I got drunk. And he, isn't that right? I used to walk in the flats locked, out 12 o'clock at night. And he went on saying, hey, what the fuck the hell is that? <laughs> and now do you know? It's still with me, and that's over 20 years ago. Isn't that right? Do you know what I used to do around it? Come in drunk. I used to jump up on the fucking, the pram shed, and do a somersault. Put me legs through me arms, and drop back on the ground, and then sing a song. And everybody would say, I don't mind it, that's only Cherry Bird. How was it again? Oh, the lady you saw me, I remember her. Remember she her? Was, uh, little Blue Bow. She was spotless. But me and blue. Fran was over there this day, you know. I heard her battening down the hatches. And I said, was there only Mickey Ratley and Billiards Brady? You know the Dutchman? Billiards is a stand up boy for when the Derrickus drops to lash her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here's Mickey on the winch. And you know the way you sword it? Yeah. You just take a word off a girl. And she comes down nice and easy. So spillious. He swords it, Mickey. And Mickey takes all the word off that fucking drum head. Boom! Billiards are only that much away, man. They say, you dirty pox, you nearly killed me. You know what Mickey says? I'll get you and we're out in the bed. Look, a picture of the two of them sailing together after that. He definitely nearly killed them. Guinea, Kaya, Holla, Holla Dollarson, Hammer, Hammerhead, Hairpin, Harrow. I said to Jerry and Holla, says I, Come on, we get down and visit Eddie. 
to say we'll have a drink and no on the way down we met Holla and yeah, Holla we, was going like yeah. this you know you shake and I went, in, I went into the pot I knew what Eddie liked you see he loved tripe you see yeah. and I went in and bought a pound of tripe bring it down there welcome so yeah we met Holla and we a caretaker out of flats was it we brought the caretaker yeah so went down there was Eddie sitting on the sofa he must have been sitting there for the past 24 hours, rotten drunk, you see. Yeah. And all the buttons. And we angered ourselves. Now, uh, what are you having? Help yourself. So, Holla thought there wasn't so much drink. I knew you could be drinking there for a, a fortnight yeah. and he, you wouldn't have been able to. So, Holly gets a tumbler, a half pint tumbler, and fills it up with that, what? A banana brandy, wasn't yeah. it? Right, he polished it off. Betty was at the ground down to the tire. Aye, Holland was uh, like a vulture. Tire oh, wouldn't get enough. The next thing was then, we destroyed it. We go up and have a yard and Smith to see. Now, when we got Holland outside and the air hit him, yeah. he couldn't walk. So, Sherry had him linked under one arm and I had him done it. We were pulling him. Well, we his, got up to the his park. heels wouldn't, he wouldn't come off the ground. So he says to me, when we were past the park gate, he says, let me into the park. He says, and I'll have a kip in the park. I'll, I'll sleep there till half nine or nine o'clock. I said, you can. So did you hear the bell going around at ten o'clock? It was only between half five and six, wasn't it? Was it? Around six o'clock. Yeah. So anyway, this is we the best part. The, of, the best part of it all was this. We got him around to the house. <laughs> we we he knocked at the door. Never listen. We we knocked at the door and she opened it. Nancy opened it. Say her heart did you? She said, What's he's this? What's well, society look at Nancy? It's a bit of a celebration. He's at the clicking on the horses. <laughs> he's a tree cross on the treble. She says and there's not a crust of bread and kit. Come in, you swine. She gets it. Yeah, well Eddie was at the town. <laughs> You know all the, the stuff that he left behind? Eddie put it all in a bottle, didn't he? Yeah, put it in See, his pocket for the cure for when he makes up. So we put it in, the, in his pocket. pocket. And then when he tells Nancy that, so, he's going to get the three cross. Anyway, she gets a hold of me the next morning. She says, come here, you. No, she the put the bottle down the tube, didn't she? <laughs> she did not. She drank it, she told me. She says, come here, you. That was the right way you left that man, she says. And she says, she's left him without a penny, she says. I searched every pocket, <laughs> and there wasn't a screed in his pocket. But so sorry, now, we left him a cure. She said, did you? Well, she says he didn't get it because I drank it. <laughs> and she says, well, I get that Eddie Reynolds. And that Jerry Bourne, she said. The two of them ought to be blast well ashamed and said they should be married a pair of them, she said. <laughs> right, we're doing a job up in Bad Avenue. You know, we're renovating the house, and Robert got a bit of grit in his eye, and he had to drive up to the Oyonair Hospital. And he went in, the porter says, go in there, he says, there's no doctors here yet. They're a bit early. Holla, now Holla, young Holla's over six foot. He puts on the, one of the doctor's white coats, <laughs> puts on the, you know, the goggles over his head and what have you. And there's a lot of old fogies to see lined up. Holla came out. And he says, next, this old fella walks in, you see. He says, strip off. It's me oyster. Never mind your eyes, strip off, and the oyster told. 
So we examine him. He says, How long have you got this complaint? What complaint? He says, You do you know? He says, You're a heart shifter, my dear Madrid. See, no, sir, this is the I'm only attended here with my eyes. Now, but mind your eyes, he says, you can live without your eyes, he says, but that thing you have, says he, don't attempt, where do you live, he says, I live over in Clontarfshire, don't you attempt, he says, get for the cab and get home as quick as you like, and he says, do you know, you're beyond all medical aid, it's spiritual aid you need, go and see your clergy immediately. Next, brings in another helper, and he's tapping them headlines. Sure, says he, I'm a cataract. Never mind that, he says, we look after them. Says he, do you know, you dear man, you're not long for this war. He said, before it finished, Robert says, oh, the old fellas done, can they have had street and I know a little street where old friends meet. I'd love to wander back someday to you'd maybe Lord and sort of tumble down for it means a lot to friends in my hometown whether you're rich or poor I feel so sure that you're as welcome as the flowers in May that's Town Castle Street in Ringsend, where old friends meet, and they greet you in the same old way. <laughs> Smith's Pub in Thorncastle Street is situated in the heart of Raytown. The pub's present social involvement in the community must owe something to the original owner, who was a notorious practical joker. Mitt was a fanatic for fish. He loved fish. I think he. I think he's still alive. He loves, lives in Dunleary somewhere. But this particular day, there was a heat wave, and Holly came in as usual after being fishing for white bait, and he says to Mister Smith, the publican, he says, Mister Smith, will you give us a point for them? Two mackerel, or two point mackerel now. And Smith gave him two points instead of one. Two points for the, the two mackerel. No. Smith says to me, Lurik, he says, do you know what about cleaning fish? I say, of course I do. What rings that man doesn't? Well, says he, would you ever go over the counter, he says, and clean them, and take the phone out of them? I'm going to have them for me tea. Me missus is on her holidays. So it's fair play. Right. I cleaned them, and he told me to put the goods underneath the counter in a bag, a paper bag. I put them under, and up he went to have his tea when his managers come in through leaving. So it just dawned on me, we were after having mackerel the day before, you see. And mackerel is very rich. And it doesn't keep, it's so rich. Mackerel is richer than salmon now. So I went over to the house and I said to Mrs. Where's the guts of that mackerel? Oh, she said, God, can you smell them? So I, I don't care whether, where are they? So we got the mouth, it was in the bed, you know. I rolled them up, I run over to Smith's. I said to Harry, the manager, he's dead too, Lord bless his soul. I said, Harry, I want to play a joke on Smith. 
give me them guts as I was underneath the counter and put them back. Oh, he said, no, no way. Says I, this is a joke. Now you want to get back at and back on your boss. This is the time here now. Says he, fair enough. I says, I, right, give me them. And after rotten guts, the smell of them was terrible. Right. Smith come down after having his tea. Harry, what's the smell? I don't know, sorry. It's your guess is as good as mine. He says, listen, is there anything wrong with that Lurick Murphy's nose? He said. I couldn't tell you. He says, Jesus, he's had the clean of them. And he didn't smell them. So says he, Harry, you'll have to walk back, he says. I'm poisoned. It's true as anything, he says. I'm actually poisoned. So anyway, I went back the following day. I kept clear that night. Went back the following day. Says he, come here, Lurick. Says he, Smith, this is Smith. See, is there anything wrong with your nose or your smellers? Yeah, I said, I can't smell a bad eyes or something like that, I can tell. Jeez, he says, didn't you tell me? He says, do you know that, Dallison? Tony was at the catching them yesterday. He said, in a white bait now. He said he must have had them for the last six months. Says he, but them that laughs, laughs, laughs best. Says he, I have a Mickey Finn. He says, of a point for him. And as soon as he comes in, he says, he'd be as sick as me or poisoned. He says again, I'm done with him. See, I gave him two points for them. They weren't worth one. He says he must have had them in band or something. He says they were ransom. So that was a joke I played on Smith. And Paddy was delighted. So Pure Owen Hollow, it was an innocent victim. A my practical joke there. That's one of the... Hollow was a great blow. Well, Smith himself was a great character. He was indeed. I remember one, the 31st of March one year, when that uh, Mr. J owned the, the Regal, and he also owned the wrist. So I think it's called the Oscar now. Is that right? Now, okay, yeah. um, he asked me to get the telephone directly for him. And he rung up the Pangrove, he says, and he could imitate anyone. This man was a London Jew, and he was real cockney, you know. And Smith imitated him, he rung up the Pangrove. He says, uh, hello, is that the Pangrove? He says, can I have uh, so many gross uh, tubs? This is ice cream. He says, we're having a function in the Ritz Cinema, Falls Bridge, uh, tomorrow, he says. And I want so many orders, so many tubs, you see. Right. He rings up Bowen he's a sandy mount of publican. Um, he ordered, oh, what he didn't order in, in drink. It's unbelievable. So many dozen of stout, so many dozen of ale, gin, whiskey, scotch, brandy, you name it, he ordered it. And he also, at the end of it, I was listening to that on the phone, he also said, uh, would you supply me with empty glasses, please? I'll be accountable for the breakage. Now, this was supposed to be Mr. J. Now, Smith said to me, see, this is the biggest order O'Reilly ever got in his life. He wanted to get a car to deliver it to the Ritz. Right, that was it. Now, he rung up the Regal, that's next door to him, just across the road from the shop, the pub, Smith's pub. And he asked, could he speak to John? This is the, the bouncer. John was the bouncer then. John is dead. And he asked the cashier, could he speak to John? 
and he could hear the cashier saying, oh, here's Mr. J, get John. John, come along. Hello. John, come from West, the West, West Cabra. So, uh, and incidentally, there was a bus strike at the time. See, so Smith says, hello, John, he says, we're having a function up in the Ritz tomorrow, he says. I want you to be up there, he says, and bring one of the buyers uh, again halfway. And John says, sir, don't you know it's me day off? Well, he says, damn the expenses, John, I'll give you double time. And you can have another day off in lieu. Fair play, sir, says he, but there's no buses running, says he, there's a strike on with the buses. Well, he says, try and get, get a taxi, and he says, refers to charge. So, anyway, John arrived on foot, up the Regal. So, there was a general character in Smith's, Frank and Smith's, Henry Charters. He'd done the renovating and fixing the seats and all, anything was broken, sweeping it up and all. And he seen him out in the bar drunk. And he used to flick the phone upstairs, and he'd run upstairs, and he called for Charters wanting on the phone. So Henry steamed around. Ah, he was well on. Hello, this is Mr. J, Charters. I want you up in the Ritz tomorrow. And says, Henry, I was there. Says, Henry, sure, sir, says he. I'm doing a job, a job up in Newbridge, haven't you, for a lady? Well, he says, Charters, damn the expense, he says. Name your price, he says. Fair price for a view. Says he, bring your big brush up. Up the all arrived the next morning. He drove up and packed his car in Oakland's Park Smith. They all arrived at Pangrove and all with the tubs, ice cream. Our ladies had a chart of the car to bring up the beer. And the manager of the Ritz, I believe, I don't know his other name, but Billy he says, what's all this in Adam? There's a function here. Says, Billy, this is the force of April. Do you not know that? The capstan turned and sails unfurled. The schooner scudded down the liffy. The damsel gave a piercing shriek. She was a mother in a jiffy. The vessel crossed the harbour bar. Her course was set for foreign waters. To China where they're very wise. And drown at birth their sortless daughters. Raja, rubber, rowdy, rocks. Roger, the ridder rider. The rabbi, Raff, Red Johnny, he was another Morphy. Stingers, skin, saw, sappy head, snow gale, snarder, sparrow. Slasher, spider, snipe. And there was an elfler there, and he wore a pea cap. He was a, a great old man. Ah, he was a great man. Snowgale was his name. And everyone that come along, snow laughed him for a match. And he must have had all his pockets full of matches, because he gave his ass everybody for matches. <coughs> but he was a great character, and he'd be able to look out, and if you only seen a speck, a speck, like a sparrow, coming in, and you'd say to Snow, I think that's a vessel, I think this is a vessel. And some of the fellas would say, uh, ah, it's a, that's a skill, man. 
must now be able to tell you exactly what it was, whether it was a coal tire, or whether it was a, 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 a it might be one of the BNI vessels, bones and large, large lines. Maybe it might be only an old coal tire. It could be a, a, a fishing trawler. But he'd be able to tell you exactly what it was. Long, long before it came into sight. That Cromwell landed in Ring's End is a well-known fact, but far more interesting for me is the story of a runner-out. Sam Caswell tells the tale of his father. He was a citizen army man and he was engaged in the uh, Stephen Green's garrison with Countess Markibus. And uh, after <coughs> fighting there, he came home and he was on the run, he was, uh, over uh, an Arloy Sea Sergeant that was drowned at Rings End Bridge. And uh, they accused my father of drowning this RIC sergeant. So he was on the run, he was. So one evening he, he, he left Rings End uh, and we heard that he had went away on a trawler from the point of the wall. So <coughs> he was on this trawler for some time until he transferred to a larger vessel. And the larger vessel anyway that he, he, he enlisted on, it, uh, it pulled into Archangel in the Soviet Union and uh, that uh, coincided with the, uh, the Russian Revolution, the proletarian revolution in the Soviet Union at the time. So <coughs> he joined the Red Guards and he was accepted and went down to fight. He fought in, in, in Tiflis in Georgia, uh, down where I think Stalin was born at the time. But he fought under Stalin, actually, he did. And uh, with the Red Guards, and he remained then after the proletarian revolution, he remained in the Soviet Union, working on rabfaks, they called them. They were similar to technical schools here. They were. And he worked as a builder's labourer on the rabfak. He became a charge hand and uh, he was working on the rab packs, he was. But when a delegation went away from this country here, 
to the Soviet Union uh, to visit the young Soviets. Uh, there was Helena Maloney, Bob Toyner, now the Municipal Workers Union, Helen Shanovix, uh, Bill Den, now the Amalgamated Society of Woodworkers, Barney Conway, out of the Workers' Union of Ireland, and a few more. My father came back with him, and uh, he, uh, when he came back, he took up work as a corn porter in the Dublin granaries on the south wall. I remember one time I went into the National Museum and I was I was doing a, a bit of writing, reading and writing and in the news came back. And I met up with this fella and uh, it was Neil Gould Verskyle. Now, he never liked to be called Verskyle, but Neil Gould. Didn't like the name Verskyle. <coughs> However, we rambled down along the college wall, and Neil said to me, We'll have a drink. Although he, he himself I found out afterwards he was by no means a drinking man. But we went into the Link Column Bar and he bought a drink anyway and we chatted for a while and I invited him down for to have a cup of tea so when we went home anyway I was telling him, telling him about my father and he was most anxious to meet him so the two of them got into great conversation of course at the fireside and the father said to me to make the tea and I went out to make the tea I did and when I came back there the two of them were and they were chatting away in a strange language that I didn't know at all or couldn't understand. So I left them to it and afterwards I discovered that they were speaking Russian. They're happy now when sweet rings end, that gem that sparkles on the dother. He lives a peaceful merchant's life and does a trade in oats and fodder. By marriage lines she's Mrs. Doyle. She runs the stall of periwinkles, and when he hears she's that away, his single eye with joy twinkles. <laughs>